This is Stability, financial talk with Gene Casagrande and Brian Powell from Stability Partners. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Gene and Brian provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Stability Financial Talk with Gene Casagrande and Brian Powell. Hello, and welcome back to Stability Financial Talk with Gene and Brian. My name is Gene Casagrande. And I'm Brian Powell. And we are Stability Partners. And if you want more information about what you hear when we talk today, give us a call at 832-559-8393 or visit us online at stabilitypartners.com. And you can also uh, check our webpage for our past shows and you can go through our whole history of shows there and you can even subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or Spotify. But don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions about anything you hear today. So today we want to discuss some common financial myths that we're hearing. And a lot of these myths are easily dismissed as, you know, unrealistic just as soon as you hear them. But others probably leave you asking, could that really be true? So in today's episode, we're going to discuss some common financial myths. But before we get into some financial myth busting, let me introduce our co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. Tony, how are you today? Well, I don't know if I'd lean too heavy on the mister, but uh, (laughs) I am doing good. I'm fantabulous. Swelligant, you might even say. I've had a great week and just really spending a lot of time with the family. And uh, I took a couple of days off. That was nice. I hadn't done that yet this year because of the COVID and working from home. I really hadn't felt the need to actually take time off. Uh, But I took a few days and it was amazing. I really got a lot done uh, relax. So I feel pretty good. How about you guys? I know you guys haven't been taking time off. You guys have been busy, haven't you? Yeah, we we're doing good here. We've, um, I actually did a quick road trip to Oklahoma to see my parents, my dad's a hundred, my mom's 96. So you gotta go see them every so often. So, Mm -hmm. um, did that and got back. So we're ready to jump back into things. All right. Well, you know, this financial myths, I know you guys hear it all. You know, when people first come to you, they say, well, I've heard this and I've heard that. So you know a lot of the myths and misconceptions that are out there. And I'm sure we've all had a friend or coworker or neighbor tell us some quote unquote financial fact or issue that if we peel it back a bit, it's pro- it might be a myth. It might just be a, a misnomer or a misconception, right? You're definitely right that there are plenty of financial myths floating around. So let's start with some social security myths that seem to have been sort of gaining stream during the current pandemic. The first myth we're hearing is actually a scary one. The myth that this pandemic will completely wipe out social security. And if you think about it, this even sounds like it might be plausible just because payroll taxes are kind of the primary source of um, Social Security's income. Uh, The government claims up to 12.4% tax on 
thousand and change in earnings. Uh, so that's a lot of money coming in to fund the program. Now, salaried workers pay only half of that uh, 12.4%. The um, company typically pays half of it, and so they're only hit for half of it. But self-employment workers have, you've heard of self-employment tax. This is what that is. Self-employed workers actually pay the entire 12.4% themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a lot of money that the government relies on. But uh, And I know we're talking about myths here, but given the current economy and the huge unemployment we've had, the big unemployment rate we've had this year, I, I would think Social Security is looking at a very serious revenue dip here. And, and that notion isn't completely without merit, Tony. You know, after all, because so many Americans are currently out of work, they aren't contributing payroll taxes on their wages. And it's clear that Social Security is losing revenue right now and may well be losing revenue for much of the remainder of 2020. But really, this is a short term revenue dip that can't, you know, it is a short term setback for Social Security, but there's no evidence to support that this will doom the program forever. And, you know, in fact, once the economy recovers and employment tends to tick, unemployment tends to tick downward, employment goes up, then Social Security's revenue stream will stabilize and get back to normal. Yeah, and we've seen it tick up a little bit, uh, but what if the current high levels of an unemployment would continue throughout the rest of the year? You know, even if that scenario plays out, Tony, it won't even come close to wiping out Social Security. Ooh, that's a, that's a relief. I, I'll be ready to shoot that one down, that myth down, if I hear somebody talking about it or see see something about it on social media. So what do you have next for us? Well, another myth that's going around right now is that for some reason, people are thinking you can't even apply for Social Security during the pandemic that's going on. So while it's true, Social Security began closing field offices last March. That was really part of the general um, precautions that society is taking for um, to deal with the, the uh, coronavirus out there. It's really solely to promote social distancing and protect, if you think about it, the, the, a lot of the people that are interacting with Social Security offices, those are the vulnerable people that need to go in and do business at a Social Security office. Yeah, so a closed field office doesn't necessarily mean people can't file for Social Security. Absolutely not. You can easily create a Social Security account online and even register for benefits whenever you're ready, as long as you're 62 or older. And to create an online account, all you have to do is go to ssa.gov, and that's ssa.gov, and you'll be asked to identify yourself with some uh, questions that only you would know, personal information, and then security questions that come from your your background. And from there, you'll create a username and password, and you'll have to confirm your email address or phone number, and you'll get a, a one of those verification codes that comes within 10 minutes and, and to make sure you're not a robot or anything like that. But you'll get that code. And then you're in um, Social Security's website where you can get access to your statements and projections and the whole nine yards. Wow. Sure. I mean, given that so much of our financial lives are already online, it really does make sense that Social Security is also manageable right from our kitchen tables on our laptops or phones. That's a good point, Tony. You know, another potentially harmful social security myth that's buzzing around 
suggests that Social Security recipients who lose their jobs during the pandemic can't file for unemployment benefits. Now, this may not be a huge percent of the population, but the fact is some people do work and receive Social Security at the same time. So it might be natural to assume that if they lose their jobs, they'd be out of luck when it comes to unemployment, but that's simply not true. Now, previously, some states would reduce an unemployment payment if you were also on Social Security, but that practice has been eliminated. And it's true that if you're both collecting Social Security and a paycheck before reaching reaching your full retirement age, which is usually 66 or 67 for uh potential retirees out there, you may have some benefits withheld if your work income is greater than what's known as the earnings limit test. So, um, but unemployment benefits don't count as wages towards that limit, so they shouldn't affect your social security. And if you're really interested in what that, um, that earnings limit test is, there's even a calculator on that social security website that allows you to play around and see what's happening with that. Yeah, I, I've messed around with that. It's really cool, actually, and and it's good to know. It's great that uh, the tools and the information is there. And you guys are doing some great myth-busting today. Uh, what do you have next for us? Well, first, I thought with myth-busting, at least we get to blow something up, but it doesn't seem like we're, <laughs> we're getting to. So yeah, we'll it's just, not quite like the show. Yeah, I was I'm disa- thinking, a little disappointed. I was excited when I saw that first. It's this a little morning, closer so. to Ghostbusters. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit here and focus on Medicare and some myths that are surrounding that. And, you know, being able to spot myths from truths can really make you feel more confident as you navigate your way toward retirement. So the first common Medicare myth is that the coverage is free. Now, First, it's critical to remember that Medicare consists of various parts, right? And we're going to focus on three for for now. So Part A, which covers hospital care. Part B, which covers doctor visits and diagnostics. And Part D, which is the prescription drug coverage. So Part A does not have a premium, but Parts B and D do charge a premium, And without the right strategy, those premiums can certainly eat into your retirement budget. Wow. Okay. So tell us more about the premiums that you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, um, report that the standard Part B premium is $135.50 a month. Remember, Part A is free. Part B, the average, the standard premium is $135.50. Now, higher income seniors often have to pay more for Part B. And there's no standard premium for Part D because your costs will be determined by the plan that you choose. But just like with Part B, higher income seniors will pay an additional monthly charge on top of their standard Part D premiums. Medicare has just a 
bewildering variety of co-pays and deductibles that you as the the enrollee are responsible for for the full extent and it depends on what kind of care you end up needing all the different parts and schedules and things you sign up for so at the end of the day medicare is not free and it can have substantial costs that will really impact your retirement strategy. So you need to work with someone that knows to factor in Medicare into your overall retirement plan. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good breakdown. I mean, you covered parts A, B, and D, and we don't even need to bring up C because we all know C is for cookies. I mean, we know that. <laughs> we, know that. we learned that when we were young. There you uh, go. But what's another common myth when it comes to Medicare? Sure. Another common myth is that Medicare covers all of your health care needs. And though Medicare does cover a variety of medical services for seniors, there actually are a number of health care items it does not pay for. So things like dental care, hearing aids, and vision services. And coverage for those items will require separate insurance that you pay for. But Often a better alternative is to sign up for what's called Medicare Advantage, which is kind of a um, alternative to vanilla original Medicare. And it provides a much broader selection of coverages that are uh, a little more affordable or flexible. Right. Uh, Now, what about long-term care? Does Medicare address long-term care needs? No, it really doesn't, Tony. That's actually a very common myth. Um, Long-term care, like assisted living facilities and skilled nursing or nursing homes, really are not covered. Um, In most cases, you'll have to address those needs out of your own pocket. So actually, if you have a two-day prior hospital stay, Medicare will cover the first 20 days in a facility. And then if you have a good Medicare supplement policy, it may bridge the gap to cover you for a total of 150 days. But after that, there is no coverage at all, and that just needs to be self-pay. And that's why it's recommended that really you should purchase long-term care in your 50s or early 60s, uh, which most people don't. But if you wait any longer than that, it just becomes so expensive, or you might not even qualify for it. So we're seeing a lot of clients in the in the market for this also address this long-term care situation by either getting uh, income producing annuities that also have a wellness feature or long-term care feature or some life insurance that also has that long-term care benefit built into it and there's a lot of advantages to that over traditional uh, uh, long-term care insurance right and there are even some annuities that are single premium products that will double or triple if you need long-term care. But a lot of people confuse Medicare with Medicaid, and there is a huge difference. So Medicaid is for people who have no other financial resources. If you have more than $2,000, you're not even eligible for Medicaid. And some people think that they'll just give away their money until they only have $2,000 left. But Medicaid has a five-year look-back period. So that strategy doesn't always work. And think about it. If you have a choice, would you want to be in a Medicaid-only facility? Uh, I would not. No, nope. no, nope. They're, they're definitely not as good as, as the regular long-term care assisted living facilities. And, and a lot of those, the nicer ones, don't take Medicaid. 
So right. I've heard That's that right. as well. Well, you know, long-term care is something that we could do a whole show around and, and probably should at some point. Uh, right. That's a big issue. And so many people nowadays are ending up in long-term care, but number one, because we're living longer, I assume. So this is something that I know you help your clients with, and and that's really important to work with a financial professional to figure out healthcare needs in retirement and how you would cover long-term care. Uh, what's the next myth you have for us? Sure. Another myth that some of our listeners have probably heard, Tony, is that you're automatically enrolled in Medicare when you turn 65. And that's definitely not the case. Now, if you're already collecting Social Security on your 65th birthday, you'll most likely be put on Medicare Parts A and B without having to do anything. But if that's not your case, you'll need to sign up yourself to avoid penalties down the line. But don't worry, your initial enrollment window is really pretty generous. Your window actually begins three months before you turn 65, and it doesn't close until three months after you turn 65. And you can also just go ahead and sign up for Medicare online while you're uh, signing up for Social Security online when you go to ssa.gov. Sure. So uh, should a person then enroll in Medicare as soon as they're eligible? Well, that's actually our next myth, Tony. While many people are probably smart to sign up for Medicare right away so they can begin utilizing the benefits it provides, that's not necessarily the case for everyone. If you're still working when you turn 65 and you're on a group health plan through your job, you should sign up for Part A since it's free, but then wait to sign up for the other parts that come with a premium. And you need to do the math on your employer-sponsored health care because it may be better or smarter to just completely transition to Medicare uh, and maybe Medicare Advantage. You might be getting either better benefits or cheaper benefits. Yeah, good point. And and this is some great financial myth-busting. It's been a great conversation so far. Uh, What do you have for us next? Now we're going to take a look at some common myths about retirement as a whole. One common myth is that before you retire, you should have a certain specific amount of money saved up. And you may have seen ads saying that what's your number, those types of things. But the reality is strategizing for retirement isn't hitting an arbitrary number and then achieving it. Uh, The better play is to determine the amount that you will spend in retirement and then develop a plan to achieve that amount and sustain it over your lifetime. Yeah, and I think it's good to remember that our financial needs in retirement are always going to be unique to us. Everybody's different, as you guys are always saying. So there's certainly not a template that's going to apply to everyone, right? That's exactly right, Tony. And along those same lines, another common myth is that a retiree will need around 70 to 80% of their pre-retirement income. And that's kind of a standard rule of thumb. But this myth is built around the idea that retirees will have lower expenses and will, you know, also gladly give up some of the comforts they've grown to enjoy. And studies have shown that non-medical retirement expenses sometimes do go down, but that's not really until your later 70s, 80s, and even 90s. So uh, 
Some expenses do go away after you retire. Things like commuting, second car, having to buy suits or work specific wardrobe. If people are still doing that. Uh, sometimes you might already have your mortgage paid off, but it's very possible that your budget for traveling, hobbies, fun stuff, leisure will um, increase once you soon have the, the free time to do what you want to do in retirement. So your strategy for retirement should really fully address this new free lifestyle that you're going to have. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. So uh, what's another common retirement myth out there that you guys have heard about that we should know about? Sure. Another common retirement myth is that maxing out your 401k is all you need to do to be prepared for retirement. And while contributing to a 401k is certainly a great first step toward preparing your finances for retirement, the truth is that for a lot of people, a 401k just won't be enough to maintain their pre-retirement lifestyle. So they also need to save in an after-tax account. But also many of our clients are saving either while they're still working in a Roth 401k or afterwards in a Roth IRA. So um, this is, of course, now after-tax money. So you don't necessarily get the upfront advantage of contributing pre-tax dollars into a 401k or an IRA, but this money grows tax-free. So when you retire, you have tax-free income. So, and one of the things to think about in doing a Roth conversion for part of your qualified money, um, you have to think that tax rates are at least right now at historic lows. So, um, but will they remain there with all the uh, government stimulus checks and help to unemployment and things? Uh, the government is eventually going to have to pay the piper and I taxes, you know, everybody thinks they will probably go up somewhere down the road. So you might want to, um, talk with a financial advisor or at work with your, your benefits people about getting in some sort of, um, tax-free, uh, retirement vehicle. Or even doing Roth conversions. Yeah. That Roth conversion sounds like a great idea now that taxes are low and and it also sounds like you're saying that relying too much on a 401k means maybe you need a part-time job after you retire. Working longer or getting a part-time job if you haven't saved enough actually brings us to our next myth, Tony. While working until you're 70 or even older might sound like an easy solution, that choice may not be completely yours because unforeseen changes to your health may actually inhibit your ability to continue working. And on top of that, unexpected layoffs or downsizing could also derail your plan to keep working. And especially these days, finding part-time work just isn't real easy. Uh, Well-paying jobs that work let you work just a couple of days a week aren't that common, and retirees may find the idea of working at something that's really not very appetizing, getting, you know, wearing a blue vest and greeting people in front of the store is not very appealing to how they see themselves in retirement. Well, yeah, it's, it does make sense then that working a little longer or getting a part-time job after you retire isn't necessarily going to be as easy as it sounds. Plus, the, the older you get, the harder it is uh, to get a job. The ageism is real out there, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with you, Tony. Now, Another common myth is the idea that you shouldn't retire until your mortgage is paid off. And many people are concerned, and rightly so, about carrying too much debt into retirement. 
But if you have a favorable interest rate and today's interest rates, you know, we're at historic lows, that debt may not be a major point of concern. So if you're thinking about downsizing and buying a smaller house with cash, you may want to weigh the options of that because on one hand, you'll be debt free from when it comes to mortgage opportunities out there, but you also need to look at what is the opportunity cost of not having that cash available for other purposes, for investment, uh, that type of thing. Now, we tend to favor being debt-free, but again, each situation is unique. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, for some people, getting their mortgage paid off at the cost of other financial possibilities might not be the best move. And speaking of houses, Tony, our listeners should also consider things like how long they plan to live in their current home, the potential tax benefits of a mortgage, potential future cash needs, and then, of course, other possible financial resources that may be available to help them bridge any potential financial gaps. That's right. And, you know, we've been doing some serious myth busting today. Uh, Do you have another one for us? Yeah, we have another one that in some cases there's a a notion that as you age, your investments should always be more conservative with each year that goes by. There's rules of thumb like the rule of 100 that say you should be more conservative as you get older. But uh, it's really best to work with a financial professional who will, again, look at your unique situation. We can't say that enough because it's sort of like buying clothes off the rack. One size fits all. That's really not how you want to do your financial planning is one size fits all. You need to work with someone who's going to build a very robust strategy that is really uniquely tailored to your situation and can be adapted to changing uh, financial environments. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that one size does not fit all. So there you go. (laughs) Well, and I've always thought that if a person doesn't have to figure out something as complicated as a financial strategy on their own, they really shouldn't. That's true, Tony. The reality is we've only addressed a few of the common financial myths that we're hearing. There are plenty of other myths that could fill up several shows, but a financial service professional has probably heard all of these and many more, which really makes them well positioned to help you separate those myths from reality. That's right. And this has been a very insightful episode. And I know this is something that's what you do, uh, Gene, you and Brian help your clients uh, with that strategy. Uh, We've run out of time for today's episode. Is there anything else you want to add before we go today? Well, I just want to add that if anybody has any questions about what they've heard in this uh, podcast, I encourage them to visit our website, which is stabilitypartners.com, or call us, on, call us on our office number, 832-559-8393, and we can just discuss their situation and answer questions and help them address their concerns. Uh, w- our goal is to help people uh, for the retirement they worked so hard for, and if people are close to retirement and would like to see some reports from us, we can do a social security maximization report, which shows the best strategy for filing their social security. And that's a whole nother show in itself. And we can also do a retirement compass report, which helps show all of their income streams from for retirement and see how they're going to be doing on the road to retirement. And we would have be happy to provide that on a no obligation basis. Uh, Just give us a call at 832- 
559-8393. All right, and that does it for today's episode of Stability, Financial Talk with Gene and Brian. Join us again next week for another episode, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to Stability Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Gene Casagrande and Brian Powell at Stability Partners. Call 832-559-8393 or visit them online at stabilitypartners.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Stability Partners Advisory Group LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Texas. Insurance services and products are offered through Stability Partners LLC and affiliated companies. Stability Partners LLC and Stability Partners Advisory Group LLC are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.